going to kind of wade through it. This, today we're going to look at tongues and prophecy. Next week, I, all of you can be at the lake for all I care. Next week we're talking about women speaking in church. So I'm going to lose on that either way. So again, I'm fine with y'all. Somehow it's not going to get recorded, and I'm fine with y'all not being here. So we'll just do the best that we can moving through all of this. Starting in verse 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. So we've said 11, 12, 13, and 14 are all about corporate worship, what we do in here on Sundays. 12, 13, and 14 are all about spiritual gifts. If you don't remember anything else, remember those two commands. Follow the way of love, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Those are the two main truths that Paul's trying to communicate to the Corinthians. It's not love or gifts. It's not that gifts are the thing. It's doing gifts from a heart of love. That's the thing. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may be edified. So here's a, this first paragraph is about distinctions. What's the difference between tongues and prophecy? Before we get into that, let me make a distinction between two different kinds of tongues. In 1 Corinthians 13.1, Paul talks about tongues of men and tongues of angels. Here's tongues of men. This is from Acts 2. You don't need to flip over there. Um, I'll read it to you. So this is the day of Pentecost. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, the sound of the mighty rushing wind, a crowd came together in bewilderment, and then each heard them, those are the apostles, the twelve disciples, twelve apostles, speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they said, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, um, both uh, near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. So what you have there is there's this huge uh, festival. It's called Pentecost. And so pilgrims, Jewish, or he says God-fearing, people who feared God, and converts to Judaism. They come from all over the known world to Jerusalem to celebrate this feast. That's when Pentecost happens in Acts 2. And all of the disciples, the 12 of them, start speaking the good news. They start proclaiming the gospel in most likely Greek, maybe Aramaic. They're speaking their language. And everybody is hearing it. That's wrong. They're speaking in these languages. All they know is Aramaic, maybe Greek. And they're speaking in all of these languages that I just listed. Egyptian, whatever they speak in Libya, Libyan, whatever the languages are in these cultures, that's what the people are hearing. And they're saying, what in the world is going on? These guys, they don't know these languages. These guys are Galileans. They're this little backwater town. They didn't go to language school. How in the world are, are they speaking in this language that we understand? That's tongues of men. Those are known languages but they're not known by the speaker. So these guys, again, who don't know how to speak Egyptian are speaking Egyptian. It makes sense if you're God. It's very efficient. You've got this group of pilgrims who come from all over the world. 
You have this new thing happening at Pentecost, so you get the you get the good news, the message of the kingdom delivered in the language of all the pilgrims, so then when they go home, they, they, they understand. They've got the good news. They can take the good news with them. And as you read through Acts, you see that's exactly what happens. These guys become the first missionaries. The, the good news is spread because these guys who've gathered together understood the good news in their language. That's tongues of men, pretty rare, uh, but, it, but you do hear uh, stories. I've uh, been, in, been in meetings and heard testimonies of somebody stands up and they have a word and they don't know the language and somebody else stands up and says, that's Russian and I'm from Russia and thank you for that. Again, it's, it's pretty rare, but you do hear of that kind of thing going on. What Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 14 is not that. He's not talking about somebody standing up and giving a message in another language. He's talking about what he refers to as tongues of angels, which is it's not a human language. It's something that only God understands, and that's the first difference. Prophecy, we understand. That's for us, that's in English. Tongues is in some heavenly language that only God understands. The content of those messages are different. Paul says uh, prophecy, they're, they're speaking mysteries. That is the, the person who's speaking, excuse me, tongues is speaking mysteries. The person who's speaking in tongues doesn't know what they're saying. They don't understand it either. It's something that only God understands. Prophecy is, it says, strengthening. That word is edifying, building, like building a house, building up, uh, comforting. You know what that means. Encouragement, the word behind that is uh, exhortation or kind of urging people forward. So it's a little different than comfort. If comfort is more, oh, you know, kind of hugging on people, exhortation or encouragement is a little more kind of kicking them, uh, getting them moving forward just a bit, urging them on. And that's what prophecy is. It's strengthening, building you up, exhorting or encouraging, moving you forward, and comforting, kind of loving on you. It's not for us. It's not predictive. This is not Nostradamus. This isn't psychics. This isn't horoscopes. This isn't predicting the future. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not what Paul has in mind. I had a guy in my office on Thursday, and he was saying he was in uh, Ghana, I think, five years ago on a mission trip. It was wonderful. And this Ghanaian lady who didn't know him from a pile of dirt came up, and she read his mail. She said, Here's what you've been going through for the past, uh, I think, six to 12 months. And she was boom, 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 point, point, point. And he took that. That's God speaking to him. I mean, he is overwhelmed because God knows. God noticed him in his situation and cared enough to speak through this lady to him. And so it's wonderful. And then she says, you're going to be married in two years. Five years later, he's still single. Hard to put those two things together. There's no reason to start predicting. It's not helpful to anyone. When, you, when we predict, we're the, I'm saying something, but she's the one who's taking the risk. You're going to marry a guy named John. How many Johns are in this room? I mean, then how does that help anyone? Everyone you meet, is she, is he the one? Is he the one? Is he the one? It, it, it actually binds people up more than it does anything else. You're going to get pregnant this year. You want to say that because they want to get pregnant, and yes, more pressure. Avoid anything predictive. That's not what Paul is talking about. Strengthening, encouraging, comforting. That's what we're going for. That's what Paul's talking about with prophecy. Who's built up tongues edifies the person speaking. That's not selfish, but that's reality because nobody else understands what they're saying. And prophecy edifies the body, the people who hear it, because, again, it's this word that builds up. 
Paul says the person who speaks it, who prophesies is greater. And the reason he's greater is because in a corporate service, it's about us. It's not about me. It's about us. And so things that build us up, those are the things that we need to be pursuing. Verse 6, now brothers, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? The implied answer is I won't be any good to you. Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the flute or the harp, how will anyone know what, what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? They won't know. Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? No one. So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you're saying? They won't. You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world Yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I'm a foreigner to the speaker, and he is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you're eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. There's that key idea again. Let's go for gifts that build us up, not just things that build you up individually, Corinthians. For this reason, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what he says. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, that is, I will pray in tongues, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, that is, in tongues, but I will also sing with my mind. If you're praising God with your spirit in tongues, how can one who finds himself among those who do not understand say amen to your thanksgiving, since he does not know what you're saying? You may be giving thanks well enough, but the other man is not edified. He's not built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. There's the key idea. When we're in here together, it needs to be English. If I stand up here and start speaking Korean, nobody gets it. I could be saying really good stuff, all true, all wonderful, but it doesn't help anyone because you don't know the language. And what Paul is saying to the Corinthians is it doesn't do any good. There's nothing wrong with tongues. But in church, when we're gathered together, if it's not interpreted, it doesn't do anyone any good at all. So in corporate worship, go for prophecy because that's in a language that we can all understand. If the point is building up the body, then let's use gifts that actually build up the body, not ones that just cause us individually maybe to feel great about ourselves which is wonderful but it doesn't do anything corporately for us 1 through 19 are all about the effect of tongues and prophecy on believers 20 through 25 is the effect of tongue and prophecy on people who are not christians brothers stop thinking like children in regard to evil be infants but in your thinking be adults in the law it is written through men of strange tongues and through the lips of foreigners i will speak to this people but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for believers, not for unbelievers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in, will they not say that you're out of your mind? Will they not say you're crazy? But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everyone is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner, and will be judged by all, and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. It's easy to see how prophecy can be a sign for unbelievers. 
If there was somebody sitting in here today who didn't know the Lord, and we had somebody say, you know, I really feel like God's put something on my heart to share, and they were to share something that would describe this person's situation. This person who's not a Christian may say, man, I don't know how they knew that. And it could easily lead them to saying, you know what, God must have, God sees, God knows, God cares. If all of those things are true, I'm, I'm on board with him. I didn't think God existed, or I didn't think he actually loved me, or I didn't think he was involved in my life, but because of this word of prophecy, that, that changed my mind. Because there's no other way somebody could have known that that was exactly what I needed to hear. So Paul says prophecy is a sign. It points to God. If an unbeliever hears us, you, speaking a prophetic word, it can encourage them towards Jesus. Tongues is also a sign, but it's a negative sign in the way it's used here. What he's saying is, if again, let's say there's someone in the room who's not a Christian and we have 10 or 12 people pop off and speak in tongues, they're walking out the back door and they're never coming back. You guys are nuts. That's what, this is, what is this? It's crazy. It's madness is what Paul says. So it's a sign in that, it's a sign, but it's a negative sign. It points in the wrong direction. Tongues is a wonderful gift. It's spirit-inspired activity. But if it's not interpreted, it leads people to the wrong conclusion. It leads them to conclude that we're nuts or that God is a God of disorder or confusion or chaos or whatever. None of those things are true. So prophecy is assigned in that and is a positive because it points in the right direction. Tongues is more of a negative sign because it points in the wrong direction. It causes someone to make the wrong conclusion. They take something that is that it truly is of God and they draw the wrong conclusion. You guys are crazy, and I don't want anything to do with Jesus. And so that's why Paul's saying, you guys have got to stop this. It doesn't build up your church, and it's not helpful to people who are on the outside. Unless it's interpreted. Three different times he says, interpret it, interpret it, interpret it. That takes it from unintelligible to intelligible. Something that nobody can understand to something that everybody can understand. The distinction is not tongues versus prophecy necessarily. It's uninterpreted tongues versus interpreted tongues and prophecy. Things we can't understand versus things that we can. You get the difference between those two things. So this is what I want us uh, to do. Right now I've asked Trey. Come on. So we asked Trey to pray coming into this service and to ask God for a prophetic word for our church. And so he's prayed you heard him with these four seniors when he said, this is kind of the word that I feel like God gave me from you. He didn't hear those things through his ears, and he didn't just think them up. He prayed and said, God, is there something that you want to say to Mitchell and to Natalie and to Madison and to David? And that's what you heard there. And we asked him to do the same thing for our body, and he has something that he wants to share.
So that, that fits. That was in English. We all understood. It was, if you look at those three things, strengthening, encouraging, comforting, it was, it was all of those things. For those of you who are, feel like, man, that's um, that, well, now you, God has spoken to you about your situation, and he's told you what he wants you to do. And that's up to you to choose how to respond. We get, I think most of us kind of get that. Um, we also have asked, I asked Ashley Saunders to come and to give us a word in tongues. Now, some of you may have never heard anybody speak in tongues before, so you're about to. Um, what she, when we talked to her, she said, I don't want anybody looking at me, so y'all can close your eyes. Go ahead. And she meant that in a lot of ways. She doesn't want to draw attention to herself at all. We'll talk about this a little bit more after she shares with us. But for now, just uh, close your eyes and listen. Okay, y'all just keep your heads down. Now, because that was in public, what we want to do is ask God what it meant. So we're going to um, take a second, and we're going to listen for an interpretation. Interpretation is not a translation. It's not hola equals hello. It's, it's, in, uh, it's interpretive, and it has nothing. The interpretation does not necessarily relate to what Ashley said in terms of length. You know, at the 9 o'clock service, there was an interpretation. It was just two words. And it was right on the money for some folks. And so I don't think, well, she talked for, or she prayed for 10 seconds, so I've got to have 10 seconds worth of stuff. It's not that at all. So here's a couple of things I want you to do. One is realize that uh, God may give you the interpretation. Don't assume some, he's going to speak to somebody else. Assume he's going to speak to you. So that's the first step is to make yourself available. Second is you want to listen for a thought in your mind that you would say, that's not me. Those aren't words that I use, or that's not what I was thinking about. Most likely, then, that's the Lord. And what would come with that, for most people, not all, is kind of a feeling, maybe it kind of feels almost like nervousness in your stomach, this sense of, I I need to share this. So usually there's uh, something in your mind, as well as kind of something that you'll feel physically, kind of that push uh, to share. So we're going to take a second, just keep your eyes closed. I'm going to open my eyes. And if you feel like God has given you an interpretation, I want you to raise your hand, and I'm going to call on you and ask you to share it, uh, but you don't have to come up front. Oh, I didn't, okay, Charlene. Y'all can look up. That was good. So all of those were right in the same zip code for sure. And so for some of you, just like that word Trey gave, that's for you, and you need to receive ministry. For some of you, the word through Ashley, that, and that's what you need to receive. And but because it's been interpreted in English, now you can grab onto it.
before when it was just in tongues. There was nothing you could do about it. Bo said he had this feeling, but there was nothing really, there was no way of responding to that. It didn't necessarily build anyone up once it's been interpreted in English. Well, then we've got something that we can work with. Is everybody okay? Anybody need to go to the bathroom? And not come back? You have a question? You can read it. Thank you. So again, that all fits in very well. And so that's both what Trey said and this interpretation are all around the same concept, so we'd have to be pretty dull to not get what God is trying to say to us corporately and individually. And so that we want to grab on to that here in a minute when we um, have an opportunity for ministry. So anyway, so that's kind of how tongues should operate corporately. Some of you may come from a background where folks just kind of spout off and it's really confusing. That's what was going on in Corinth. Is apparently there was multiple dozens, maybe even people, sh- just speaking in tongues all at the same time. It was massive chaos for people who didn't speak in tongues. They obviously would have felt left out. It was very individualistic. Some of you may have come from traditions way on the other side, and you're looking for lightning to come down and start striking people because that was the devil's language or whatever. N- neither of those things. Um, those are two extremes. What we want to do is stay in the middle, and, which is to say tongues has a place. And in general, the place for tongues is in your private devotions. It was difficult for us to find anybody who was willing to share on the microphone. You heard even when Ashley did, she was whispering. It tends to, tongues tends to be something that's between you and God because he's the only one who understands. It builds you up, which is very important. 1 Corinthians 8 one says, love builds up. God's desire is to edify, to strengthen, to build us up. And in general, that's the purpose of tongues, and it's between you and the Lord. Paul says in his private time, he prays in, with tongues and with his mind. He sings with, in tongues and in his mind. And so I would say for you particularly, if you're someone who loses in your mind a lot, um, you, have, you struggle with your identity in Christ, you struggle with your sense of value, you struggle with fear, you struggle with anxiety, I would encourage you to ask God to give you this gift because then your spirit can can overcome those things that are going on in your mind. Sometimes in your mind, you don't believe what's true necessarily. So you're kind of losing. And if when you can pray in the spirit, then, then that can kind of win. That can build you up even when your mind is not necessarily fully in the game. So tongues is... A, Everybody is not going to speak in tongues. That's nowhere in the Bible is that said. Again, some of you may come from traditions that teach that. That's not, that's not our team. That's not what we believe. To me, Paul very clearly says not everybody is going to, but I think the gift is available to anyone who wants it. Now, God gets to decide who gets what, but I would say if it's a gift that you desire, ask. And particularly, again, if you fall in that category of someone who you tend to lose the battle in your mind, I would ask God for that gift. And then again, it's up to him to decide whether or not to give it to you and when and what that looks like. Encourage you in your private devotions 
to go after tongues. Another uh, situation where it can be very helpful is in ministry situations. When you're praying with somebody, maybe you've prayed with somebody before, you just kind of run out of words. I, I don't know what to. I don't know what to do about this situation. It's either so overwhelming, or it's so confusing, or I'm so emotional, or for whatever reason, I don't have words for this. And those times, it can be very helpful. Uh, to pray in tongues. Romans 8 says this, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So you have there that the Holy Spirit will intercede for us. And again, there can be times either in your own life, if there's some type of crisis going on and you're rushing to the emergency room and dialing 911 and doing all that, it can be great when those type of frantic moments to pray in the Spirit because you're still praying, but your mind is on a thousand other things. Or again, when you're praying with other people, if that's part of your thing is you do that a lot, it might be uh, totally appropriate for you to ask God to give you this gift of tongues so that when you do run out of words, you can continue to pray. And... Uh, Paul says at the end of 1 Corinthians 14, don't forbid speaking in tongues. So it's not forbidden in the corporate setting at all. It will be, I would imagine, it would be rare. Uh, Paul says in verse 13, if you're going to have a word in tongues, then you need to have an interpretation. So next week, when there's nobody here but me and you, and we're talking about women in ministry, what you and you feel like God says, I, you feel this stirring in you, and you've got this word in tongues, the first thing you need to do is say, God, what does it mean? And if you feel like he gives you an interpretation, then you need to come see me and we'll figure that out. If you don't feel like he gives you one, but you still have this, that nervous, that feel, you know what I'm talking about, that feeling in here that says, I've got to share this, then you need to share it. And we'll pray for God um, to give the interpretation to someone else, like what just happened here. Uninterpreted tongues is not the unforgivable sin. It doesn't mean you're going to hell. It doesn't mean that you're running people. It's, it's none of that. But in general... When we're together, we want things in English because that's what we speak. And that's what's going to build up and edify the body. We don't forbid, but if there's going to be tongues, it needs to be interpreted so we can all participate in that. Again, just the difference between what Ashley shared and what Kenny and Charlene and, and the other guys, Bo and these other guys that threw out their two cents and kind of their thoughts on it. Just the difference between those two things. You get that. So that's, where, that's the place for tongues. Prophecy is to be sought. Paul says that. Be eager to prophesy, he says in verse 1. Um, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. There's kind of no downside. It builds up the church, and it can be used as a tool to draw non-believers to Jesus. And so we all want to go after this gift, and that's my encouragement for each of you, is to seek this gift of prophecy. If you've been in here during a baptism service, then you've kind of gotten your feet wet. That's what those note cards are for. We don't say that because... Uh, that can have weird connotations for folks, but that's what we're doing. There are people that you don't know who are being baptized, and I'm saying listen to God and write down what you hear. That, that's prophecy. That's it. And so all of you who've been in here during a baptism service have already given somebody a prophetic word. You wrote it down in a note card, and we delivered it to them. And that's, we want to grow in those areas, and it's very simple how you do that. The first step is you ask. You ask God, what are you saying about this particular person or this particular situation. That's what Trey did. God, I've got four seniors. What do you want to say to each of those four people? And then, all right, we've got a church gathered here. What do you want to say to this gathered group 
of people. Trey doesn't know what's going on with anybody, but God knows what's going on with everybody. And so when we ask him, he'll speak to us. Some of you, when you look at your Google calendar tomorrow, it's already full. What you can do is you can ask God, is there anything that you want communicated to any of these people who are on my calendar this week? And then give them, you don't have to give them an hour, but give them a couple of minutes to respond. Parents, it's a wonderful thing that you can do for your children. They get beat up all the time at school. And if they come home and you've got something for them, dads, I think, it's for everybody, but I'm thinking particularly dads, if you can look at your kids and you can deliver this type of encouragement to them, if you're not comfortable saying it, then write them a note. Start there. But if we can begin to be that channel of God's grace to folks. So the first thing is just ask, it's just simple. God, what are, what are you doing in this person's life? What's going on in this situation? Do you have anything to share about this? And the second thing is listen. And again, you don't have to listen for an hour. Turn off the radio just between here and where you're going. Just take a couple of minutes. Give God a chance. It could very well be that there's nothing. And there's nothing really pops into your head, and so you just move on. More often than not, there will be something. You'll have a thought come into your head that you know is not yours. You don't think that way. You don't talk that way. That's not the, that wasn't the track that your mind was on. Most likely, that's God. Particularly, is it strengthening? Is it encouraging? Is it comforting? If, if it's yes to one of those three, then you go with it. That's God. And then the last thing is you just have to relay the message. You can write it down. You can give it face up. To me, um, saying something is, is a little more powerful than writing it. But when you write it, it's permanent. So you kind of have, there's pros uh, either way. But my encouragement to you is to get to a point where you're comfortable sharing verbally with folks. You don't have to talk like James Earl Jones. You don't have to say, God told me this. You don't have to do any of that. You know how to encourage people. That's all you're doing is encouraging them. It's just the encouragement's not coming from you. It's coming from God. And so it's got a billion times the impact of just coming from you. And it, you're not writing people a book. I mean, for it's a sentence a lot of times. There's usually not a lot of... When we get into trouble, mostly, is when we start adding on. God shared us this much with us, and we try to share this much with somebody else. Just stick with what you've received. And share that. It might be just a picture or one or two words or a Bible verse. And if we can get comfortable doing that, it'll change a lot of our relationships. It'll be a huge blessing to people. Again, for people who are Christians, it's edifying, encouraging, comforting. For people who are not, that could be the thing that, can, that helps them recognize, hey, God is real. God is active. God actually sees me. I think if people knew, people who are not Christians, if they knew how closely God is tracking with them, that he's not a billion miles away, that he didn't just spin the earth and now he's off doing something else, that he is intimately involved, interested in the details of their life. That changes everything for most people. And sometimes it's a word of prophecy that does that if we're willing to share. And the thing is, even if you miss it, if you mess up, then all you've done is encourage somebody anyway. Like, there, the, you can't, there is no downside. If the word that you deliver is either strengthening, encouraging, or comforting, even if you miss and it's not God, you, you didn't screw up. Because you're not predicting anything for them. You're not predicting the future. 
And so there's, again, to me, there is no downside from beginning to stretch our legs in this a little bit. So everybody still good? At least that's what you're going to tell me now. Nori Saunders, where are you? So to me, the thing with prophecy in tongues is it communicates or it illustrates that God is a God of today. He's not just a God of the Bible. Just back then, in those times, whatever those times were, he was alive and active. But now, he doesn't really have that much to do with us. Nori's in a small group called Poof. It has a stupid name, but it's a really good small group. And uh, about 10 days ago, they were, they were praying, and um, she had a pretty uh, dramatic encounter with the Lord. And for me, it's again, it's just this picture of God is still active today. So we've asked her to come and to share. Why don't you step up here so they can see.
That's really good. So here's what we want uh, to do. Bill's going to come, and we're going to close with worship. And the invitation is just simply, what, what do you want slash need this morning? You know, it's interesting with Nori. I've prayed with her about the nightmares. I mean, she's gotten lots of prayer. And last or two Wednesdays ago, God healed her. I don't know how all that works at all. All I know is it, is it worked, and she doesn't have nightmares anymore. And so for some of you, you may be in the same place she was. I don't want to ask for the same thing again. Today may be the day that God breaks in in a very significant way in your life, and we don't want to miss that. We'll have ministry teams in the corners. Uh, just come forward during this last song. Bill will dismiss us when we're done. And if that, all of that rest talk that was in the midst of those words from Trey and these other folks, if that was you, then you need to hear that as, a, as an invitation from God. He knows what's going on with you, and he's saying, I'm here to help, and please let us pray with you about that as well. So you guys can stand, I'll pray, and then Bill will dismiss us uh, after this song. God, we do thank you that you're still active. You're not dead. You're not a dead, lifeless God who did great things back in the day. Lord, that you're still alive and you're still active. And for me, the thing is, God, that you care. You actually care about us. You care what's going on in our lives. We're not trivial and insignificant in your eyes. And so, God, my prayer is for everyone in here who has a need, Lord, that you would minister your healing, your deliverance, your salvation, your grace, your love, your rest into that need this morning. Not because there's anything in us that deserves it, but because you're a good father and you long to give good gifts to your children. In Jesus' name, amen.